You're listening to SA Talk, San Antonio's favorite podcast for local events, topics, and discussions involving the Alamo City. I'm your host and favorite retirement advisor, Zachary Esperiqueta. Today is Friday, June 11th, and we are less than one week away from Fiesta. And last week, Mayor Ron Nuremberg and the City Council did give the go-ahead for the events and the street closures that are required for some of the festivities. So it's really exciting, you know, after having that one-year hiatus, uh, well, two years, really, it's been since we had Fiesta. I I think the city's ready for it. Um, And I'm really excited for, for the events that are coming up. You know, personally, I'm really excited because Fiesta has been something that I take part in every single year. Um, And, you know, whether it's the night parade or the fiesta kickoff at Hemisphere, the day parade, getting to see the Longhorn Marching Band and and more recently the UTSA Marching Band, the Spirit of San Antonio, Um, even events like the Day in Old Mexico that I've I've gone to uh, just once to to check it out, going with a group to Nyosa, Um, but also the traditions of just, you know, walking through Market Square and going over to Main Plaza on my lunch break when I used to work downtown. Those are all things I miss and we didn't get to do last year. And and this year we're finally able to do it, even though it was pushed back into uh, June and all the hot weather that's going to bring. So as a reminder, Fiesta this year does begin this coming Thursday, June 17th and concludes on Sunday, June 27th. I know my girlfriend Amanda and I are really looking forward to the Fiesta kickoff coming up this Thursday. Um, I don't know if we're going to take the dog out. It's going to be warm. It's probably going to be hot. It's going to be a lot of people. But either way, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to enjoy the fireworks, the music, um, all the little booths and the food. We're going to be really happy just to have Fiesta back. Something else that I wanted to uh, touch on was the news we got from the runoff election results from a few of the city council races that were still going on and, and went to a runoff. So we do officially have our new city council in place. You might have seen a post that I had put out earlier this week or last week. So, of course, Mayor Ron Nuremberg is uh, still our mayor. He won the race uh, earlier in the year and did not go to a runoff But for some of the races that did go to a runoff, so Mario Bravo won his race to be the District 1 council member. Jalen McKee Rodriguez won his race to be the District 2 council member. Uh, Phyllis Villagran won her race for District 3. Terry Castillo in District 5. And John Courage in District 9. So those were some of the runoff races uh, that concluded this past week. Of course, the other races were already decided a few weeks back. I also want to mention in District 2, um, this was actually a historic moment for uh, not just Jalen McKee Rodriguez, but just in general, being the first openly gay person to be elected to the city council. And I had heard or read something that apparently the first openly gay uh, person to win any kind of office here in Texas. So again, that's a, I mean, that's a historic moment in terms of a government official. So this week on SA Talk, I do have Olga Mukulis joining me on the podcast. Olga is the executive director of industry and community partnerships in Edgewood ISD on the city's west side. We had a great conversation about the approach that Edgewood takes with their outreach and programs. They have a lot of resources that they provide to the community. And later on in the conversation, we talked about how the pandemic exposed the digital divide we have here in San Antonio. It's also a buzzword outside of San Antonio, but also 
how Edgewood has tackled the issue. So we'll be getting to that conversation with Olga shortly. Before that, I did want to give a special shout out to a new supporter of the podcast, Sabrina O. So thank you, Sabrina. I really appreciate your listenership and support for the show. Listeners, if you didn't know already, you too can support the podcast on a monthly basis. So keep in mind, this podcast is not a coffee shop, not a retail store. There's no subscription service uh, that is required to listen. So really, the only way the show can remain sustainable is through sponsorship and listener support. So you, the listener, can support the show monthly with as little as 99 cents up to $9.99. You can visit the link in bio to find out how. So we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'll have my discussion with Olga Mukulis. Stay tuned. Hey guys, it's Zach. As some of you may know, I help people plan for retirement. And as your advisor, I can not only show you how money truly works, but put you in control of your money today and in retirement. If you're looking to schedule a financial review, please give me a call at 210-760-0409. Welcome back to SA Talk. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be sitting down with Olga Mukulis, the Executive Director of Industry and Community Partnerships in Edgewood IST. Olga is a San Antonio native and second generation American. She obtained her bachelor's in communication arts at UIW, then got her master's degree in education from Our Lady of the Lake here in town as well. She has a lot of experience working in many different roles in education throughout her career. Most importantly though, she has a heart for the Edgewood community and San Antonio as a whole. So with that said, here's my discussion with Olga Mukulis. Well, thank you for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, but I'm good. Is this your first podcast? It is. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, the good thing about it is that it's going to be just a discussion, more of a conversation. And the best part about it is that I edit it. So don't worry about that. <laughs> but I'm excited to excited to talk to you about the work that you do, just because I've seen on social media, you know, the different work that you've done in the community, and that you even travel up to the capital, the Texas State Capitol to do as well. So I guess kind of start things off by telling me a little bit about what you do for Edgewood ISD. So my name is Olga McCoolis, and I am the Executive Director for Industry and Community Partnerships. When people say, you know, you do a little bit of a lot, that's what I kind of do. I kind of do a little bit of a lot of things. First and foremost, part of what I do is I look for outside organizations that would want to come and work with Edgewood, whether it's an 1882 partnership, because Edgewood is a district of innovation. So an 1882 partnership, or what I'm doing now is I'll look for different businesses or organizations that would want to come and maybe partner during an intercession week or do like an after school programming, or maybe would want to partner and do some type of fundraiser for one of our schools, come in, have guest speakers. We just did Fierce Female Friday. I'm not sure if you saw um, a few months back, I had posted, I was helping our all girls school look for women leaders throughout San Antonio to come and talk to our young ladies of our um, leadership academy. So um, I was speaking to the principal a few days ago and she was like, you know, we had so many people, we had to actually turn some people away because we just didn't have enough time to get everybody in, but which is great. What is a, what is an 1882 partnership? Because you brought that up and I heard about that phrase from listening to the, what was it? The San Antonio Charter Moms podcast where they had the superintendent on um, and they talked about that and it sounded really exciting. So I guess for some of the audience who may not know what that is, I guess kind of explain what that is and what it means for Edgewood. Sure. So as we know, there are 
charters kind of hopping around all over. What traditionally has happened with education is everybody goes to your neighborhood school, right? You grow up and you go to the school that's down your street, which is a traditional school. We know that our students are evolving. And just like technology and businesses evolve, education needs to evolve too. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to create different pathways of where students would want to go to school. So it's not going to be your regular K through fifth school where it is just that's what you do. You go to school. Maybe I want to go to a school that I know when I say I'm a kid, when I grow up, I want to be an engineer. Like that's my goal. What we're trying to do is create a pathway that those conversations start happening in kinder. Now, do you think some of that is with the parents, though? Because I'm trying to think. I can't remember what I was thinking about when I was, you know, four or five years old. I don't know what I wanted to be. Uh, Maybe a basketball player. How do the parents come into making that decision? So we have platicas throughout the community where our superintendent will go out and say, hey, this is a thought we have around this school. Like, I'm going to take the leadership school for girls. Traditionally, you would go to a girl school, I mean, a, a school, a public school with boys and girls. What we wanted to do is kind of take the different genders out of the equation because we're also doing a leadership school for boys so that when young ladies or young men are in school, they know that they're going to be concentrating on school. It's going to be single gender and it's going to focus on leadership. Those two campuses are going to be a leadership school. So it starts at kinder. But if you think about it back then, there was no iPads when you and I were going to school. There was not that technology. Kids are now able to see the different kinds of jobs that are out there because of the technology they have. They can see about being an aerospace engineer by Googling it and looking it up on YouTube. I mean, back then we had what? Encyclopedia, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, we would go through the encyclopedia and check and see what that was about. So I think now with technology being at everybody's fingertips, kids can now see what they want to do. It's not, you know, police officer or... Uh, firefighter. Those are great professions, but now kids are looking at what's really out there and are wanting to explore those possibilities. So how can we as an education system help guide the students, our students, in the path to be most successful? So we have five different pathways here in Edgewood. We have a leadership zone. We have our STEAM zone. We are now in the process of doing a fine arts zone. So anything from dance to vocal to um, theater arts, all that. And we know students when you're, you know, I mean, I know I, when I was when I wanted to be a ballerina. I'm like, that's what I, I wanted <laughs> to be a ballerina. I wanted to go, you know, dance and be a prima ballerina. Obviously, that didn't come true. But opportunities like that are not necessarily some that our students in the West Side are able to take part of. We have our public service zone. So culinary arts, hospitality, teacher are going to be in that zone. And then we have an early childhood zone. Now, is that a little different from like magnet schools? So you know, is it, is it a little different structure? It is a little different structure because magnet schools, you'll have a magnet high school, but this is going to be kinder through 12th grade. Okay. So you can start a pipeline early as kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, but we're having to create those pipelines. Having an 1882 partnership, like we currently have an 1882 partnership with Pre-K for SA, and we have Texas A&M San Antonio. For instance, Pre-K for SA, what are they well known for? Pre-K. Right. Early childhood, right? So why would we not want to partner with somebody that is amazing at their craft, that can help teach our teachers, use their, um, their knowledge, their skills, their training, their professional development 
to help our teachers because we know that in the early grades, that is where where language, where students start interacting with each other. We know that literacy is huge in those early years. Starting at three years old, literacy is huge. So if we can focus on early learning, early literacy, that's just going to help our students in the long run. So that's one of the partners. Uh, right now, we have Texas A&M San Antonio that's partnering with our Burleson School of Innovation. Our Burleson School of Innovation, if you haven't heard about it yet, it's an 18 plus program. So students with disabilities can go to school up until the age of their 21st birthday. Um, so we have a program where students, after they, they receive their um, certificate of completion of high school, they actually get to come back. And we've created an area in Edgewood for our population of students that are 18 and over to get job training skills, to get um, life skills, whether it's learning how to cook, how to clean, how to be self-sufficient, get them job training skills where they can go and work at a Starbucks or go and work at a warehouse and with HEB or with Walmart. So trying to provide those opportunities, we even have one of our students that actually is working with Edgewood now. So just creating those opportunities that if we, without these programs, we wouldn't have. Now, zooming out a little bit, why is that important for the community? Edgewood is 16 square miles of community, of love, of tradition. We are in the heart of the West Side. Unfortunately, people forget about Edgewood. You have San Antonio ISD, North Side, Northeast, Harlandale. I mean, we have 17, 18 different school districts in Bear County. We do have the highest poverty level uh, with 90, the last time I checked was 94.6% of economically disadvantaged. We have a lot of um, our students that are being raised by grandparents, great grandparents. So people tend to forget Edgewood when it comes to opportunities. So that's where I come in. I wanna make sure that people don't forget that we're here. People don't forget that our students matter, that our students deserve what students in other areas of San Antonio have the opportunity to get. I think that's really important. Recently, I did an interview um, with Dr. Robert Garza from uh, Palo Alto. Uh And, you know, one of the the views that he has that I very much align with is that education, especially early education, plays a huge role in the future of that individual. And as a whole in a community, you know, getting the, the poverty rates to decline. So I I think it's really important for school districts like Edgewood to have programs like this and be very active in the community, but also the business community. Because, you know, you mentioned having people just forget about Edgewood, but I think that also applies to businesses and making sure that they don't forget about um, a school district like Edgewood. Right. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, We have really good partnerships with Palo Alto, with A&M, and I think making sure that the businesses out there are not afraid to come into the West Side. So like Edgewood, we're landlocked, but development in the West Side is highly needed. I know after um, Kelly had closed down, a lot of the area, if you still go by there, there's a lot of businesses that are just closed down. So that in turn doesn't provide jobs for our community, right? Because they're closing down. The good thing is we do have the port. Having those lines of communication open with the port to seeing how we can partner to help with the West Side. I think part of what I do is one thing is I'm never afraid to ask. I can go into a room and I'll see whoever and I say, I'm already thinking, how can this person help our students or help our teachers? And that's one thing I'm not afraid to ask. What somebody can say, no, sorry, we can't help you. Okay. But at least they know one who I am, what district I serve and the community I serve. 
What were some of the challenges that you and, and the school district as a whole faced? And a lot of, uh, of course, a lot of school districts and families face challenges during the pandemic, but especially Edgewood, you know, because we, we hear the term digital divide and it's a huge buzzword right now, especially here in San Antonio. What, what's interesting about the digital divide is it's like it, it didn't just appear, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't just it didn't just happen because of the pandemic. Right. Um, it, it was exacerbated by the pandemic. It was right. always there. And so, you know, what kind of challenges did the school district face? And, and what are some, some positives that have come out of it? What are some things you guys have learned? So I think when the pandemic started, so it happened last year in March. And so you're thinking everything is shut down. We still need to educate our kids, right? But at that point in time, Edgewood was not a one-to-one device district. So because traditionally all our kids were in seats, they were in class. That in itself was an area where our kids did have 45 days of almost no instruction. We were shut down. Teachers couldn't come get their stuff. It was literally nobody could come in. We had to try to figure it out. So over the summer is when our district and our board really pushed to make sure that one, every student had a device. If you're an elementary student, you're going to get an iPad. If you're middle school and up, you're going to get a laptop, which is great, right? So we were able to get everybody an iPad and a laptop. Awesome. But not everybody has internet access. Right. Unfortunately, what people think of now is they think of as internet as a luxury. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. It is a necessity to do your everyday function, to pay your bills, to, you know, communicate with other people, to do your schoolwork, to do your work from home. So I think one thing that it taught us is that we are going to have bumps in the road. Like we're going to have to figure it out on the drop of a dime because nobody knew the pandemic was coming. Then getting, getting devices was great. Now having to back order because now everybody in the country was trying to get a device for their students, whether it was a parent at home or the school district, everybody's trying to get a device. We were able to work with organizations where we could get hotspots. Great. We got hotspots. But if I'm a family of five and I have three kids using that one hotspot, the service and the connection is going to be hard because not everybody can join on that one hotspot. So one thing that we did do in Edgewood is we extended our mesh network on our buildings. Like I said, we are 16 square miles. So we extended mesh networks. We worked with different organizations throughout the community. We worked with Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts has a hub here in Edgewood. Um, We've had a longstanding partnership with Girl Scouts for over 10 years. They provided internet from their building. So you could do like a parking lot. I mean, we had parents drive up to the school or drive up to Girl Scouts and sit in their car and work on their laptops or sit outside. Um, we also did that with the port. Port is say extended, extended also a parking lot. And then our libraries inside of Edgewood did the same. So Las Palmas and the Memorial Branch Library. We also extended our mesh network, but that just wasn't enough. We wanted to be able for our kids to have internet access at home where they were safe, where you know, they, they could do it from the comfort of their own home. So we had to be very um, strategic about giving out Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi little connectors, and then also the mesh network. So that was one thing we did. Everybody has a device and that has been working great. We do know that education for our kids is better when they are in seats where we can have that one-on-one experience with them. But I think for us, the digital divide has taught us that we really need to work with our community. We need to work with our local government. We need to work with, you know, just to create a more permanent infrastructure 
Um, well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually going to be my next question. I'm glad you kind of alluded to it because I, I was wondering how does the city come into play there? Because I think it's great when you when you hear these stories like Edgewood um, or like some of these organizations that have helped out with schools and, and handing out devices and, and creating Wi-Fi hotspots. And that that's great. It, it makes for a great story. And I'm glad the school districts are doing it. But the other side of it is that I, I feel like it shouldn't just be all in the school districts. It should be your local governments or maybe a state government helping out and, and providing that for you so that the school district isn't footing the bill all themselves. No, no, I absolutely totally, totally believe that. You know, we've had several conversations with the city, all the superintendents have, trying to figure out what are our next steps and how can we help with this. So the city has been very active in trying to figure out, you know, putting up towers and what that means, what that looks like. But I think it's not just Edgewood and the communities, but we also have to think about the rural districts that are out there, like the Somersets and the South Sides that are further out, the East Centrals that also need our support, but the city has been very good. And, and so, you know, um, we had a legislative year. One of the topics for that was the digital divide. Like that was one of our three goals going into the legislative session that we wanted to talk about. So there is House Bill 5, which is a broadband office and map. So what that does is it creates broadband office in the comptroller's office. It also creates a robust broadband map. So like Texas to ensure equitable investments of the broadband expansion throughout Texas. And also they're tasked to work directly with the public schools to invest in students and their families. So that is coming. Now it just needs to kind of get signed and, you know, and delivered. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like that takes a while. It's, yeah, it's, it's coming. And I think the pandemic, all the superintendents kind of came together to see, you know, what it is that we all needed. But I think also working with public and private partnerships is a big, like, you know, whether it's Tamusa, COSA, Pre-K for SA, working because those will help help us keep our families engaged through the digital divide and also education and training for our families so that they understand what is is they need to ask for how they can help i think if the city and everybody all work together and what it means to actually educate a child because you know what it doesn't just take the parent or the teacher i think it really takes a community it does take a village it takes a village to raise a kid we all know that i have three of my own so i think if we all work together as one versus individual silos, we would be able to do a lot more for for our community. And I think, you know, always going and being a voice, whether it's at the Capitol or whether it's with the commissioners or whether it's at a city hall meeting, making sure that our voices don't get lost because there's a lot of things happening. But as educators, we need to make sure that we're fighting for our kids. What kind of work does Edgewood, maybe yourself, um, but maybe it's not your department, but what kind of work does Edgewood do with the parents, you know, in the community? Because sometimes in certain communities, I think the home life can be a little different. And and sometimes you might have, um, even if it's a, a two-parent home, maybe they work late nights or they're not around to help answer questions for their kids or help them with their homework, you know? And I think about that a lot because I... I acknowledge for uh, for a personal example my own privilege was that both of my parents were educators and so they came home you know at the very latest you know six o'clock and so if I was working on homework and I had a question I could ask them and they were educators so they could help me with it right, right? and you know they they had that post high school education 
But sometimes right. it, it might be a first generation child. And, and, and I don't think that every community looks the same. Obviously, I think we know that. And, and how, how does Edgewood kind of come into play and help out with those parents or those so, households? So that is what you just described are the majority of our households here in Edgewood. Um, so what we've done is we've taken a different approach with two different areas that we have. And I'm excited to, to say we have our family engagement department. So we have parent liaisons. We have a coordinator and we have a lead parent liaison. What we do is we, like during the pandemic, they were out there block walking, looking for our students that hadn't logged on. They provide um, classes, whether it's um, how to do a resume, how to apply for a job. They do parenting classes as well. We have a family leadership academy, a family leadership institute where it's like an eight to 12 week class. And parents sign up and they go through the program together. They graduate from it. We we go out and we do platicas in the community. And I think that really separates us because we go out into people's homes and we ask, what is it you need? A lot of times our families are afraid to come to the school. You know, they're afraid to say, this is what I think my student needs or what my family needs. So instead of them having to feel like that type of, I can't go in and say how I feel, we go to them. We go, we go to their homes, we break bread with them, we sit around all together and we ask those questions and we allow them to have an open space where they can tell us their needs, their wants for their students without having to feel any judgment. It is a very judgment-free zone. We also have a community resource team. So that is the only one um, that I'm aware of in Bear County. So it is part of our police department. But the difference is um, we have an area where our families can come and get clothing. Our families can come and get food. Our families can come and do laundry. We're setting up where they can do homework. We're going to have computers. If parents want to come in and do an application, we're going to have all that available. A lot of the times with everything going on, um, current events that have happened, people see officers in a different light. What we've done in Edgewood is all our officers are trained in social emotional learning. So it's not about going and getting somebody in trouble. It's about, well, what's causing what's happening? Maybe the student right now is struggling at home because they don't have lights or they're out of food or they're unable to get their clothes washed. So they're embarrassed to go to school. So how can we help them be successful at school? Well, it's by one, providing food or providing other resources that the family needs, whether it's doing those applications in order to get assistance. Sometimes a language barrier is hard for our families. So having an area where they know they can call and say, this is what's going on. You know, we had a student that had to drop out of school to take care of their father and get a job because dad was not working, diabetic, having to go to appointments. So how could we help that family? One, let's set up about via trans, see how we can get the dad going to have someone pick him up and take him to his medical appointment so that the student can come to school, you know, providing the flexibility in the schedule so he can still work and help with his family. But if we don't know about that, and if we're not looking for that, our students are gonna fall through the cracks, then he wouldn't have graduated. So I think um, the two departments that are out there knocking on doors that are taking phone calls at all hours of the night are our family resource team and our family engagement department. And I'm really excited about both of these departments. They really are people who work from the heart and they care about the community. George um, Garnica, who is over our, Family Engagement Department, he's a product of Edgewood. And our officer who oversees our our resource is also a product project of Edgewood, Officer Rose. So you have two people that have grown up 
in the area, but that have both come back and worked in the area that they love. And another question I have is related to to funding for the school district. You know, you talk about these programs, the, the different programs and resources that Edgewood mm-hmm. has. Maybe I'm naive in thinking this, but I, I don't see maybe some of those resources being used as much maybe in a school district like Northside or Northeast. But at the same time, those school districts t- typically have more funding um, or have right. an abundance of funding. So, wh- I mean... That's where, that's where I see the challenge, you know, it's because it's like you need more resources uh, and more programs in a school district like Edgewood. And you don't need those as much resources and funding in a school district like Northeast. And that's not to say they have. I'm sure they have, you know, right. families right. that. Everybody right. Right. But it's like sad that it works the opposite. Right. And I think for us, um, we've never been shy of asking. We asked a lot of organizations um, if they would want to donate like to our family resource center. We've worked with Eagles Flight. We le- we worked with Pastor Robles. There's different organizations that are our go-tos that have volunteered to help us. Our chief and I say, you go and you knock on 99 doors, but that 100 door you knock on, you may get 99 no's, but one of them is going to say, yes, I want to help in this project. And I think that that's why we have been successful is because when we're not afraid to ask, we know that things are important and it's about sharing our stories sharing or why we're doing what we're doing and people want to help and want want to get involved and I think that's part of my goal is to make sure that when I go out I let the organizations and business know what Edgewood has to offer how others can help how others can get connected how they can be a partner how they can work with their foundation how they can you know come and be a mentor to the young men and women of Edgewood who need a mentor in their life we may not have the funds, but like I said, we will go out and we will look for them. We will raise the funds. We are not afraid to ask. So I think that would, that's what makes us a little different. Something else I've, I've thought about, and again, this may be something because I personally have never worked in education or for a school district, so sometimes I just don't know. But do school districts work together sometimes and, and maybe help each other out, maybe with certain resources or, or programs? I think ideas, not necessarily resources and programs, because it's all everything is tied back to funding. So um, that that does now, if you have a memorandum of understanding where you know the two school districts work, like I know a few years back, they wanted to partner on on like dropout recovery, and they would be housed at one campus here, but they would be coming in from a different a different campus. Like we've done that, but you have to have a memorandum of understanding. It has happened in the past. It just all depends on how funding, because federal funding is very um, particular on how it's being used. And there's stipulations and guidelines and red tape and stuff like that. So we're very careful. What it makes me think about, you know, people have brought up the idea, even here in San Antonio, about like a unified school district. Oh, yeah. That's been going on for, for years. years. So I've been, right? Yeah. I've been, I've been in the superintendent's office since 2013. I've had seven different bosses. <laughs> so since... I've been in the superintendent's office. They've always talked about what it would look like if they consolidated. Right. Even and I think that's and I think that's something that at least and maybe it is looked at. Again, I'm I'm not in those discussions or talks or, you know, making those choices or decisions. But I I mean, that's the reason I ask if, if school districts partner up when it comes to funding and resources, and it seemed like the answer was no, but that's where it can be helpful. Now I know when you, when you get to that, um, if you have a unified school district and you look at some other larger cities that do have it, I think you you see other problems occur. But 
like the Houston's and, and uh, you know, Austin, they're all one district, pretty much one district. Yeah. I, I guess, what are the pros and cons to that? I guess is what is what I'm wondering, because to me, it seems like it's a good thing. But again, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't right. know all the negative sides to that. It is a good thing. But then you have traditions, you, you, you have community traditions, and they're very deep. Like I can like Edgewood has deep Kennedy Memorial roots, like as Harlandale has theirs and how South Sand has theirs. And I think that it would take the community and each area coming together to be like, you know what, we would be better as one, but I'm not sure the community may be ready for that. I mean, when when the districts were divided back then, it was to keep everything segregated, to keep- Which is exactly my point. Yeah. And, and even listening to to that Charter Moms podcast, Dr. Hernandez, he, he brings that up. I mean, the history of Edgewood and, and, and the redlining that did occur many, many years ago, um, it all goes back to segregation. And, you know, that's my point. They were all divided many, many years ago- for those reasons. And so then it gets me to thinking is like, well, then why not correct that mistake? Right. But I know it's not, it's easier said than done. Right. So yeah. Olga, I see a lot on Instagram and, and Twitter that sometimes you make your, you make your way to the Capitol up in Austin. So I guess yeah. kind of explain a little bit about what you do up there. So we go to Austin to make sure that our voice um, as ISDs don't get left out of the conversations because a lot of conversations are happening at the Capitol, which some of the bills are great. But I think sometimes people forget what it's actually like to be in a school district, what it's like to be a teacher. So just making sure that they don't forget the voices of the people that are actually on the ground, which are our educators. So going up there, we knocked on doors um, and we did it as a, as a collective team. I will say that I worked with SAISD, Northside, Northeast and the Bear County Education Coalition to go up there to make sure that all our voices were heard. And it's exciting because normally the larger districts are the ones that have the voices up there. So for Edgewood to have a voice and to talk to, you know, the senators and to let them know the reasoning why this bill we wanted or why we thought this bill could hurt what we're trying to do for me was great. And and sitting there and um, hearing people testify or dropping cards in on bills that, that we agreed with and that that mattered to us was really huge for Edgewood because in the past, Edgewood did not have a strong voice up at the Capitol because it was always the larger districts. But I was excited that this year I was able to go and do that and, and go to offices and meet with people. And it was nice to sit there and they actually listened when we spoke as a collective group saying this is this would hurt Edgewood or this would be great for all districts. You know, just making sure that our voices were heard. Well, you know, Olga, you mentioned earlier about school districts like Edgewood, like SAISD, like Harlandale that have a lot of tradition. And that's what makes San Antonio so unique as a, as a city, um, as one of the largest cities in the country. And speaking to that, you know, I always like to incorporate this in the essay talk series. When I'm, whenever I bring on a guest, I want to know, like, what are some places around San Antonio that you enjoy? Can be a restaurant, can be a park, just areas of San Antonio that you enjoy. So I will say, so there is a, um, so when I meet with people here in the district, I always like taking them to Body Warista. It's a little coffee shop off of Culebra. And the owner is actually um, graduated from Edgewood High School. So he is a Red Raider. So I love going there and his, you know, when you go in, he'll tell you about everything that went through about the walkout, about all of that, um, you know, he'll talk about. So I love going there and taking people that won't necessarily come into this out of town and to give them a little aspect of what, you know, what a small little cool coffee shop on the West Side looks like. 
my girls, they love going to parks. So we spend a lot of time, you know, outdoors or we like going to the Pearl area, the farmer's market and getting fresh veggies and things like that. San Antonio Zoo. I mean, who doesn't love going to the zoo? And my kids, my girls love it. I, you know, was born and raised in San Antonio and Edgewood has a really special place in my heart. And the reason is because my dad was a San Antonio police officer for over 30 years and Edgewood was his beast. Like this was his area and he loved it. He spent a lot of time giving back to the community. So any chance I have to be out and to be giving back here, I do, whether it's doing a garden or helping something like that. I, I love doing that, but I love going to all the little restaurants here on the West side. They all have great little stories and it's just family. Like I do enjoy coming to the shops that are, that are out here, the little restaurants that have been here for years. You know, San Antonio has made a lot of strides in a lot of different industries in a lot of different ways um, in the last decade, decade and a half. But what do you think are some of the challenges that we, we still face, I guess, as a city, but more, you know, centered around Edgewood? So I think having those connections with the businesses, you know, different areas of the city have different huge businesses that will go out and partner with school districts, whether it's internships or job training. I think that me, myself, and my role need to make a better connection with other organizations that are out there to provide those. But I think if San Antonio as a whole would encourage the bigger businesses, the USAA, the Frost Banks, you know, the SeaWorlds or the Fiesta Texas, the other big, huge corporations, and they partner with the school districts and not just the ones that are in their area. Because we travel all over for work. You know, I may not live in Edgewood, but I travel from across town to Edgewood. So I think if businesses were to look at districts as a whole, like how how could I help? This in turn is going to help me. It's going to help me with my job force, with my next hires that I'm going to get in my company. I think that if if we work collectively and together, we'll help with the economic development of, of the area, of San Antonio, instead of having to go back and we're trying to change that generational poverty. Well, Olga, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. I, I really enjoyed our discussion. But before I let you go, of course, kind of let the listeners know where we can find you or even Edgewood <laughs> and, and the different yeah, things that you absolutely. do. absolutely. So you can find me. I am uh, very active on social media. I know you, you, I follow you and you follow me. So um, I am active on Twitter. So my Twitter account is omakoulis, and that's O-M-O-U-C-O-U-L-I-S. My Instagram is Olga Makoulis. And then I do have a work Facebook that is also Olga Makoulis. But you can also find our fearless leader, Dr. Hernandez, on Twitter. And his is Dr. H on the Edge. And then our EISD of SA Twitter. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So you can keep up with everything going on in Edgewood, whether our we have graduations coming up. So Kennedy and Memorial graduations are coming up. We also are going to be having a back to school event um, end of July, early August, where we'll be giving out backpacks and school supplies and doing physicals and vaccines for returning back to school. And they can always email if they, they wanted to be a partner um, at Edgewood. We do have a website on the website called Partner Perks where they can sign up to volunteer or help an organization or one of our schools. Like I'm looking for partners for helping raise funds for uniforms for the all-girls school or for the all-boys school or looking at somebody to partner with Kennedy High School for a garden if they want to do a community garden. 
So those are all different, just businesses and organizations that I'll reach out to you, but you can always find us there on the website at www.eisd.net. Well, thank you again for joining me on the show. I, I appreciate you taking time because you, I mean, I, I see it on social media. I'm sure it's the same just in your regular workday. Uh, you know, you seem like a really, really busy person. So I appreciate your time and I'm glad that I had you on. No, thank you so much. It, it is really my pleasure. And thank you for making my first podcast <laughs> easy. Um, I was a little nervous, but I'm excited. I was, I was really excited. That's going to do it for my interview with Olga Mukalis. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'll be giving my local recommendation of the week as well as my question to leave the listeners with. So stay tuned. This is what we're made of. The businesses that line our streets and the customers that make them flourish. As a business owner, this is your community, your members, your regulars, your neighbors. Your business is unique. So are your customers. No matter who you need to reach, Spectrum Reach is here to help you connect with the right message on every screen. Visit SpectrumReach.com to connect with a local advertising expert. That's SpectrumReach.com. Welcome back into SA Talk. In my third and last segment, I'll be giving you my local recommendation as well as my question of the week to leave the listeners with. So this week, I'd like to feature Acadiana Cafe. I've been going to Acadiana since I was a kid when my parents would take me. Um, it's a Cajun seafood restaurant that has a southern, you know, home style cooking feel. They specialize in catfish and shrimp, which I definitely recommend if you do go to visit Acadiana Cafe. They're located at 1289. That's 1289 Southwest Loop 410, uh, zip code 78227, near the old Westlake Mall site, for those of you who used to visit the old Westlake Mall, right off of 410 by 151. You can't miss it. They have a big sign. They have Acadiana, kind of have like a cover and, a, and their food truck sitting out there as well. Um, definitely cannot miss it. You know, and I also love how Acadiana has their food truck and they take it to Taste of New Orleans normally, which unfortunately didn't make it on the Fiesta event list this year, but I'm sure they'll be back in 2022. They're also a great place, if you didn't know, to get Cajun deep-fried turkey on Thanksgiving. Uh, definitely a spot you you can get your turkey from if you don't like to cook the turkey on your own. Candiana Cafe is open daily from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Like I said, they're located at 1289 Southwest Loop 410, right off the highway. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Acadiana Cafe. That's A-C-A-D-I-A-N-A Cafe. And their website is AcadianaCafe.com. Moving on to the question of the week. I'd like to ask the listeners, of course, Fiesta coming up. So what Fiesta events are you looking forward to most this year? If you want to answer on Facebook or Instagram, look for the SA Talk new episode post and leave your answer there. If you want to answer on Twitter, which is my preferred platform, uh, you can reply and use hashtag SA Talk answers. I'm really interested in hearing your favorite Fiesta events. So please be sure to answer. So with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of SA Talk. And before I let you go, I wanted to give a huge thank you to all of the loyal listeners. Those of you who have been listening either since day one or for weeks and weeks or months and months now, uh, you guys keep the podcast going for sure. And I appreciate you so much for that. You also want to thank any new listeners checking out the show for the very first time. I hope you enjoy the content. If you did enjoy it, I would encourage you to check out my other series, Searching for San Antonio. It's on the SA Podcast Network, so you definitely won't miss it if you subscribe. Also, if you want to help the podcast out, please give a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps uh, get the name out there, SEO purposes, all that jazz. If you want to keep 
help with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SAPod Network. If you absolutely love the podcast and the content, you can support the podcast by visiting the link in bio and clicking support. It allows you to set up monthly donations to the podcast, and I would greatly appreciate it if you did. Lastly, if you and any other business owners you know are looking to advertise with the podcast, please reach out to me at Zachary at SAPodNetwork.com. With two shows now, there are even more slots open for advertising and other sponsorship opportunities. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the beginning of Fiesta and Viva San Antonio.